every year at this time, I teach the exact same message. This is a rerun, okay? And it's a rerun every Lumberjack Sunday. Because what we're going to talk about this morning uh, is perspective. And this will be disconnected from what we'll talk about next week. Um, so next week and, and then in subsequent weeks here in the fall, we're going to, uh, I'm just kind of, I don't know, I'm not a good like hip cool series title guy. It ends up being pretty boring, so sometimes I name stuff, sometimes I don't. But here's how exciting this is. First principles. Woo! <laughs> Nobody got excited. So we're just going to talk about uh, basics. I think it's going to be different than what you, than what you think, uh, but we're just going to talk about uh, basic uh, building blocks of what it looks like. Number one, to be a believer. What does that even mean? I think the church is, by and large, really confused at what salvation even is. Um, and so we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about what does it look like to be in relationship with Jesus? How do I follow him? Those basic uh, kind of things, that's what we're going to spend the fall doing. Just make sure that we're all on the same page, because what we talk about in the spring will have to be built on, t- and really for the rest of your time. So I'm going back and doing this again. Uh, we do this about every four or five years. I've been here six, so here we're doing it again. Um, but everything else will build on top of that. Uh, but today I want to talk about perspective, because right now I know that you guys have been bombarded with a series of questions. I'm going to take a guess at maybe like six. Well, you count. I didn't, I didn't listen. Uh, six questions that I think you've probably already heard. Okay, so the first one, what's your major? Raise your hand if you've had this question in the last three days. What's your major? Really? I think it's like the number one small talk amongst college kids. It's, especially for people like me, adults, it's like not in the college world. It's like all we know to ask is, where are you from? What's your major? <laughs> That's our default. Okay, um, then the follow-up. So if you got the what's your ma- hands up for what's your major, keep them up. If you got this question, what are you going to do with that or a version of that question? So what's your plan? <laughs> right? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, you can put them down. Did you guys all answer that confidently with your exact career path? Or like, I don't know, I think I want, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the, if they don't, it, and maybe this isn't always the case, but if they don't feel like that degree is going to be enough, and especially after your answer, it's like, what am I going to do with that? Well, I'm going to be a rocket scientist or something. They're like, Ugh, that degree won't get you there. And they, then they'll say something like this. Well, do you have a plan to get a master's? <laughs> you heard that one? Okay, a few of you. Okay, I'm, I'm eliminating some. You have a plan to get a master's because the undergrad won't be enough. It's okay. It's all right. At which point you say, I don't know, I'm a freshman. Like, I haven't gone to a class yet. And so, <laughs> I don't know. All right. The, the, here's the name of the question. So now we got all these new faces. We've got to figure out who's who. What year are you? Right? Maybe? Have you heard that question? What year are you? Okay, I'm not. You guys need to give me a list because I'm not hitting all the right questions. Okay. And then some of you, this is the worst follow-up. What year are you? And then they go, ooh, and how long is it taking you to get that far? Right? Some of you are like, I'm a sophomore, it's taken 12 years, <laughs> so, right? Some of you are like, amen, oh, that's not an amen. So, and then, and then this one is maybe a little bit more detailed, but what, what are you involved in? That's more broad. Maybe, if, what, do you, what do you like to do? What are you involved in? These are kind of the typical questions, right? Right, right, is that fair? I hit maybe like 50% of those questions that you get asked. That's kind of the questions that you're going to get asked. Why do you get asked these questions? Because those questions are are based on the trajectory that people feel like your life ought to be on. Those questions are based on where people believe that you're going. And if you can articulate the answers to those questions, then you have a a path to where you're going, right? That's kind of what those are are based around. And here's the deal. A lot of you, you come into school, there's a lot of momentum right now. 
And what I want to do today is hopefully just give you a warning about perspective. Because those questions generate a lot of momentum, which create a lot of focus around what you're doing with your education and the future of your life. What plans are you making for some other day, right? Maybe even like as a junior or senior in high school, maybe you started to begin to feel that pressure of figuring out what's next. Here's the problem with that type of focus and what I want to warn you against. If that is your, is that's what consumes you right now. And it may be tempting for that to be that way because you're setting up classes, you're figuring out what's next, right? If that consumes you, then what you will lose perspective on is what God is doing today. If you lose perspective on what God is doing today, I can promise you, you will not be used in the way in which God has designed you to be used in areas around you. If we create all of our focus around what is coming next and how do I get there, we'll lose touch with the fact that we're alive right now. Hopefully that qualifies most of you in the room, alive right now. Okay, if you're not, raise your hand. Okay, good. So no, all right, we're good. So everybody has a pulse and is breathing right now. Here's what that means in the kingdom of God. That means that you have purpose for today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Y'all with me? If, we are, if we're alive right now with breath in our lungs, then that means that in God's sovereignty, in the largeness of who he is, that today was a calculated and important day for you to be alive. That there's purpose in it. Not just for you to do something, but for him to make himself known to you. For you to know him and make him known. Both of those things are supposed to be occurring today because you are alive. And when we start getting so focused on what's tomorrow, we lose touch with that very powerful reality. And what I want to encourage you to do, because this is the beginning for you, I want your perspective to be right today. I don't want you to have to rewind and go, man, I missed this semester thinking about other things. I should get focused on the right things. I want that to happen right now. I want you to check your perspective Right now, ask God, God, how should I see my time at SFA? What, what lens should I look through in these days that you have given me here in Nacogdoches? Because I promise you, some of you, maybe you've never been here before. Maybe you've been here for three days or two days or however long, you know, you, you, you've been here. You've, Nacogdoches is brand new, but I want to tell you that God is doing something here. That God is at work in our city. Maybe this is the first time, I mean, you applied to SFA, you got in, here you are. I don't know what, what that looks like for you. Maybe you're back. Maybe your mindset is, I'm going to be here for this amount of time and then go. But I want to tell you that God is bringing people from all over the United States and all over the world to this small little town. And people are being impacted with the gospel and going out from here and changing nations because of what God is doing here. And you're here for a specific purpose. It's not an accident that you're alive today. Uh, when my son was real young, uh, I guess he was, he was just walking. And uh, we were in the backyard, and I, I remember so distinctly, it was one of those moments where God just speaks out of the middle of nowhere. Um, and he was, I, I, I don't know what it was about the moment, but uh, we were playing, and he was, I don't know, 30 yards from me and coming towards me. And this thought from the Lord hit me. And it was, the, it was, it was just a question. And the question was, has there ever been a day like today? Has it ever existed before? And I, have, I thought, it's the, no. 
This moment, this hour has never existed before. And will it ever exist again? No. Never again. Never again will that moment of him walking towards me ever, ever, ever be repeated again. It's never existed before. It'll never be repeated again. This was what is truly to the definition of a unique hour moment in all of world history. I want you to think about that. You're sitting in a unique hour in the history of all things that has never existed before and won't exist again. And if we believe what we say that we believe, that God is in that, then we've got to know that you're alive at this appointed hour in history for a reason. That you're part of what God wants to do in this day. And you're at this university, in this town, regardless of how you thought you got here, that it is for a bigger reason than just to get your education. That's important, but it's bigger than that. The God of the universe wants to make himself known to you in this season of your life, and he wants to use you to advance the kingdom of heaven on the earth. If that's not our perspective, you're going to miss some really cool stuff that will unfold over these next few months and years of your life. Here we go. Okay, i got to get to my notes. Why can we say that? Why can we, with authority, claim that your purpose is not just to get an education. How many of you just, that feels real good to say? Now don't go, uh, here's the deal. If I get an email from one of your parents that says, you won't believe what I heard in church. They said, my education doesn't matter. I'm here for God, it doesn't matter. I don't have to go to class. If I get an email, I'm coming for you, all right? That's not what I said. The scripture calls us to excellence in all things as a representative that our work is to represent the one that we serve. But what does Genesis chapter 1 Verse 1 say. Anybody? In the beginning and then there's a name. Yeah. We spend a lot of time on this passage because it sets the perspective for everything else that will follow. In the beginning, God. And what did God do? What was the action of God? Yeah, in the beginning, God created. You are the result of that action of God. In the beginning, God created. And so what does that mean about today? That God is the author of today and God is the author of your life. So the one that has the authority to define you and your purpose in today is not your education. It's not you, it's not your parents, it's not your grandparents, it's not your friends, it's not our culture. None of those things have a right to define purpose and direction in your life today. The one who has the authority to name and create you and today and your purpose in it is the Lord God. And so if our trajectory of our life gets set by anything other than the one who created, we're missing it. Y'all with me? So because in the beginning God created, it's important for us today as you start this new chapter in your life, it's important for you to submit yourself to the one who created. Because he's the author of today, he knows the purpose of today and your life, and he can uh, bring that into reality for you. Here's the other thing that I think is important for you to consider. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, this is where I think it's one of the coolest places in the Bible where we're given value, where we can see the value of who we are. Listen to what it says in in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll start in 17. It'll make more sense. And if you call on him 
as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, see sin, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. So let's talk about the ransom. What was the price paid for you? Are y'all tracking what this is talking about? What was the price paid? You were not ransomed by perishable things such as silver or gold. Now, understand this, that contextually, silver and gold has immense value. What would you think of something in our world today that has immense value? You were not ransomed by things that are perishable like silver and gold, regardless of what we see as value. Look at verse 19. But with the, what's the word? Precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So who's the one that, according to Genesis 1-1, who's the one that has opportunity to give us uh, value, right? I, I mean, sorry, direction, purpose. In the beginning, God created so everything, everything in terms of our focus of who we're going to be has got to come from him. And then where does our value come from? How do you know what something's worth? It's, it's worth what someone will pay for it. I'll tell you a story. I, a few years ago, I bought one of, the cool, one of the cars I thought was one of the coolest things of all time. It was in 1988, three, <laughs> Uh, Jeep Wagoneer, you remember those Jeeps that had the wood paneling on the sides? No. <laughs> and, here, and I thought, oh man, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this thing around, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a few tweaks, and I'm going to sell it, and woo, I'm going to make some money. I brought it home, my wife's face was kind of like, I see where this is going, <laughs> this ain't going to work out. <laughs> But I was determined, man. I drove that smoking, smelly thing all over the place. I thought this is going to work. It broke all the time. And then I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it. I'm going to at least get what I paid for it out of it, right? I thought it was worth X amount. You know what the market said about it? Nah. <laughs> market said it's not worth that. It's worth about half what you paid. And I learned a lesson. Emotional car purchasing is not a good thing, right? Right? But why was it not worth what I thought it was? Because that's not what someone was willing to pay. Here's the deal. What are, what is, where does value come from for us? The only measurement that we have is what was paid for us. You with me? How valuable are you? The precious blood of Christ was spilled on your behalf. Listen. How valuable are you? The precious blood of the Son of God was spilled on your behalf. You hear me? How valuable are you? Listen, don't... (laughs) The blood of Jesus was spilled for you. 
so that you might be alive, so that you might know God, so that you might walk in the purpose that you were created for. How valuable are you? That is the price that was paid. If we get our direction, man, if you set your course based on what you're going to get educated with and think that somehow if I, get, if I get this degree and get this job and get this career, then that's what's going to give me value and direction, man, you're missing it because the blood of Jesus was spilled so that that stuff didn't have to give you direction. So that purpose and life and direction would come from the one that made you. That's why Jesus died so you could know God and make him known. That has to be your all-consuming focus in this season of your life. Don't make it about anything else. Be excellent in all things as a testimony to the one that spilled his blood on your behalf. But don't make it about those things. Don't believe that your worth and value comes in those things. Here's where I want us maybe to gain our perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Go ahead and go there. If you got your Bibles, you can go there. If not, we do have it on the screen. So Paul is talking about the ministry that God has given him. He's obviously writing to the church at Corinth. And I want you to listen to these words because they absolutely apply to us today. He says in verse 1, he says, Working together with him then, we appeal to you. Listen to this. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. What does that say? Not to receive the grace of God in vain. There's purpose in the grace of God in your life. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Listen to what he'll say here. Behold. What's the timing? What's that next word? Now. When's now? Good. You're ready for tomorrow. (laughs) He says, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, in verse 3 and beyond, we're going to get there, but in verse 3 and beyond, he's going to talk about the way that that plays out in his life, and, and it's a great statement for us. But I want to just stop there and I I want you to listen to the urgency of today. He says, now is the favorable time. Why is now the favorable time? Because what? The work of Christ has been completed, right? It's not happening again. We're We're not waiting for that day. Christ has died and been risen. Grace has come. The opportunity for us to know him in full has arrived. It is time again now for men to be filled with the spirit of God. That is today. And if that is today, then that means that now is the favorable time. There's not another day to wait where God's going to do big things. That day is now. We're alive in an amazing hour in history. The scripture says that the prophets longed to see what you're in today. They longed to see the day they prophesied of when the Spirit of God would again dwell in man. That the kingdom of heaven would advance on the earth. They longed to see that day. We're alive in that day, and I think most of us don't even know it. Now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. 
that statement ought to give us the urgency of every day. That every day I'm alive is a favorable time. Every day I'm alive. Every breath that I have. What's the song that we sing? It's your breath in my lungs. Right? It's a, it's a statement. That song is a statement that says every breath is important. Because now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. We're not waiting for another day for God to do a great work at SFA. It's now and it's you. You have to think that way. Right? Don't wait for another generation. Don't wait for somebody else to rise up and get hungry for God. Don't wait till you get older. Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. You have been filled with the Spirit of God. If you have believed in Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit of God for the purpose of now and today. Now, here's what he says. Everybody likes that. Like, we love to get on the bandwagon when I say that. Like, right? Woohoo! Now's the day. You go kick those doors back and we're going to campus. The rain can't stop us. Right? That's the rah-rah pump up. And then adversity hits and most of us go, okay, I'm just, never mind. (laughs) Y'all with me? Listen to what he says. We put no obstacle, this is verse three, in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now, listen to this list, okay? Listen, you have to listen to this. By great endurance in afflictions, Hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Verse 6, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor. Through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Okay, now who wants to sign up? This is the day of salvation. This is a favorable time. God is ready. God is moving. But listen, adversity is coming. This is not an easy thing that we've stepped into. If you think that following Jesus at this hour in history is going to be just some cakewalk, you have got it absolutely and completely wrong. And the problem with that perspective is that the moment that it's not easy, we freak out and go away. Jason, where are you at? Any adversity in Portland? All the time. What happened if he packed up and went home the moment there was adversity? He'd have lasted two days. With two days or two hours? Or, I mean, like, seriously. If we, if we feel like, listen, I'm, I'm in on this thing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I, there is purpose in my life. And, and, and we believe that somehow that God is going to part the waters. 
just uh, he he does part the waters. Okay, and I'm like, oh, I, he did that in Exodus. <laughs> and give you this cakewalk ride that the enemy is going to just somehow lay over and die and not and not care that an entire campus is hearing the gospel. If you believe that there's going to be no adversity, you're in for the wrong fight. There will be adversity. It will be difficult. There will be days where you'll ask the question, what is God doing? There will be days where you have to, where you, you're pressed and you go, I don't know if, man, if, is there even a purpose here? I mean, I've been sharing the gospel with my roommate. I've been being kind and all I get is junk in it back. I've, I've over and over and over and over labored on behalf of this area of campus. No results, nothing, 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 nothing. That means you're probably in the right spot. We have to be ready for adversity. And in adversity, we have to realize that the, that the work that we've been called to do will not be done in our power. That it will be done completely by our ability to rely on the power and the presence of God within us. The work is immense, but it's not yours to do. It's yours to participate in. It's His to do. The call to follow Jesus is a call to lay down your life and allow his life to fill you. You with me? The call to follow Jesus is not, all right, God, I'm going to get saved and now I'm going to go do everything on my own. You don't need the Holy Spirit if that's the case. But we do. Jesus would tell us that apart from him, we can do nothing. Don't believe that adversity is a marker of failure. Adversity ought to be a moment where we press in, where we realize that even in adversity, the presence of God is in me, working through me. And this is indeed what God wants to do. So here's just a proposal, just a thought. What if you shifted your viewpoint? What if you're not a college student? What if you're just going to college? Right? What if we began to think that way? What if you weren't defined by what you're doing right now? What if, what if you were a saved, spirit-filled believer in Christ Jesus on mission to bring the gospel in every corner of this city? What if that's what you were? That's going to set a different perspective in your life. That's going to set a different purpose when you wake up in the morning, isn't it? What if, what if for these next four years or 10 or 12, however many, what if you're not a college student? What if God has you here for a purpose? For today, for right now. That's my prayer is that you begin to think that way, that you begin to see yourself in that light. Fair? Okay, new people are like, when he asks questions, do I answer them? Or? Yeah, you can answer questions. Let's pray. That's a pretty overwhelming thought. That this room is not an accident. That every life that is in here is not an accident that they're here for a purpose, for an appointed time, that today is the day of salvation. And the message that they've just heard is the message that, God, you 
have designed for them to hear. God, what would change? What would change in our city if we really bought into that? What would shift in our dorm rooms? What would change in our classrooms? What what would change if we began to realize that, God, today is a day that you want to act and move. Today is a day that you want the kingdom of heaven to advance. And you've called us to do it and filled us with the Holy Spirit for the strength and the ability to do what you've asked us to do. What would change in our areas of influence if that became our perspective? So, God, that's what I ask for. Pray that our purpose and our value would come from you, that we would see how valuable we are to you, that we would see that today is an important day, that we're not just here to occupy space until we move, that we're here for the kingdom of God to advance in our city and on our campus. Pray that you would give us a vision and a hope and a joy that comes in partnering with you. And I pray blessing over each student here. Some of them we may never see again. Some of them we'll see for the next many years of their lives. God, regardless of who fills this room, we just pray blessing over each one. Pray for each one of these individuals that they would know you, not just in a knowledge way, not just know about you, but that they would know you deeply, that they would walk with you intimately, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they would be powerful and bold in the kingdom of God. Pray that for each one. We ask for peace over them as they start this week. And God, we just pray that you would continue to chase after and pursue those who do not know you on our campus and in our city. And would you use us, God, to do it? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, here's how the drill goes. So this is a point where I'll tell you, and I'll say, I'll just explain why I say it. You'll laugh a little bit when I say it. I'll tell you, you're dismissed, but not released. The reason I say that is because a lot of times in church, man, we hear something, God may move in our heart, and then it's like, oh, but it's lunchtime. And we check out. Don't move quickly away from anything that God has spoken. Don't run away from it. Spend time in it. Spend time in prayer. If God, if, if God I pray that he did, if God used me in any way to speak into your life and into your heart, don't move away from that quickly. Let that word uh, marinate in your heart. Let, let, spend some time with it. Let God teach you in it. Don't move quickly away. In the next hour, you may hear something that strikes your heart. Don't move quickly away from it. As you worship, God is moving. Don't move quickly away from it. Don't make church this thing we do, check it off, and then leave, right? Long explanation for me to tell you bye, but you're dismissed, not released. We'll see you in a little while. Go down the hall. All the way down, it'll dead end into the worship center. And then after that, we've got lunch. There will be arrows to tell you where to go. See ya.